This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Welcome to The Watching Dead, the officially unofficial podcast for The Walking Dead on AMC. I'm Jim. I am Aaron. And today we're talking about Season 11, Episode 3, titled Hunted, but it's the feedback episode. It's the one where we've said all we have to say, now we gotta hear what you wanna say. Uh, Aaron, do we do we get any feedback today, or is this intro just feedback. going right into an outro? I, I got some feedback. Okay, um, cool. I actually, I actually like how this feedback thing is going. I, if, if I think this is... This is for sure how we should do everything that we have, like a screener or some kind of advanced review copy going forward. Like okay. yeah. having the thing drop date and time and then a couple of days later doing the feedback rather than what we usually do, which is do last week's feedback in this week's. Oh, it just works so much better. I feel podcasts like uh, are shorter podcasts are shorter. Like, you know, there's like I, there's like a third. We, we know this from statistics and review and uh, people's surveys, like a third of the audience doesn't even give a shit about feedback. So like they don't even have to, you know, there's there's a oh, a third of their wide area network bits. They don't have to worry about like it's it's just a win for everybody. Yeah, I'm getting all I'm getting all choked up and verklempt about it. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, watching dead at ballmove.com is how you get us feedback and, uh, we got a decent amount. Um, so let's, let's, let's get to it. Um, first up, Nicole, uh, she was our call of the, she was our, uh, email of the week, our ta- hot take of the week last week winner. This is her acceptance speech. So thanks for the shout out in the hot take award. Hope I made you guys laugh a little with my, the walking dead hate fest. Oh, it's like I said, I, I, I kind of see what you guys see in our coverage when I get a. Re- Really good one like that. Mm-hmm. Somewhere around the time that Carol chased a rat and tried to make soup, I got over it. I really enjoyed the Negan episode and tried to forgive the prior episodes caused COVID. I was really interested and invested with the idea of flooding tunnels, crawling the zombies. I was ready to forgive the stumbles of Archeron 1 if it any way paid off in 2. I kept waiting for it, really wanting them to have the fight for their lives against zombies and the rushing waters. The last 10 minutes of the episode too is when I realized it wasn't happened. I lost my shit screaming at the TV. out what a waste the whole setup was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's kind of like if uh, you go up a 300 foot roller coaster hill and then it just like is a nice steady five degree incline for the rest of the ride all the way down. Like it, it didn't, you, there's no payoff there, right? Imagine Not how even fast you'd be loop. going at the end of that though. That's true. <laughs> That's true. Maybe, maybe the sheer maybe. speed would be the, would be the thing. Yeah. Uh, opt- uh It wasn't just about the tunnels; it's about all the tunnels, the wells, the bridges, and the key cards that have come before. It's a lot. Mm-hmm. It's a lot. There's a lot of dumpsters and and bridges and uh, you know one and a half gainer delivery trucks off overpass oh, ramps. There's God. just, there's the, there's a been, there's been a lot of sins. We, we, we know, we know we've, we've been, uh, we've been hurt a lot. 
Your optimism for the rest of the season is much needed. I am on this ride until the end. Either way, good or bad, Walking Dead, I'm always excited to see a new Bald Move episode in my feed. Thanks for keeping my spirits up. Well, thank you, Nicole. Uh, I, I appreciate it. Um, that that take wasn't nearly hot enough to be racked, uh, but uh, we'll see. We'll see what the rest of the competition the competition is. Uh, <laughs> when does our optimism die? Uh, if mm. if you know where we get into episode six or so, and we're thinking mm, it just hasn't been very good. I think we give it through the second chunk of episodes. Hmm. I think, yeah, maybe like I will be feeling real bad if at episode eight, at the end of episode eight, we look back and been like, man, six out of eight are bad. Yeah. One was was okay, And and, you know, maybe one was good. But and uh, yeah, I'll be feeling pretty bad. I'll be feeling pretty bad. And and yeah, like then it's like halfway through the second chunk of the season. It's going to be looking like you know hate watch o'clock <laughs> yeah we'll see yeah yeah we'll see we will see i'm we still giving see. it a fair shake like I've, I've i've turned on the walking dead definitely and i like to make fun of it but i'll also praise it when it's good yeah and the other thing is like i feel like they even these first couple of episodes that weren't great especially are because i thought the last episode is was mm-hmm. fine yeah but the first two it's like even when there was a bunch of stuff that wasn't making sense i thought like I was impressed by the way the action was shot and some of the stuff they were doing with the, 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 you know, the look and feel of the show that mm-hmm. I think will pay off dividends later. So, but still, yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd be just as impressed with that shit in the, you know, context of a well-staged, well-presented, you know, well-arrived at action sequence yeah. that I gave a shit about. Anyway, let's move on to M from Portland. They say, hey, guys, I've been enjoying your coverage and uh, definitely found myself much more on the it's bad again. And it's only recently been briefly good in comparison to its worst moment side of things, though, out of masochism or sunk cost fallacy or maybe just because I've grown so used to hearing you two rant about it. I'm in till the end. I mean, that's the other thing is like I'm trying to think of how insultingly bad it would have to get for me not to just finish this fucking thing. Yeah. Yeah. There's no way we don't finish it at this point. Like I'm. I'm struggling to think of another television show that I've put 11 seasons into. Yeah. Like healthy 16 episode for the majority seasons. 24 this last one. Like I can't think a lot. Like I didn't make it that far. Simpsons. I didn't make it that far with X-Files. None of the Star Treks went that distance. I guess like episode count, maybe raw episode count, like a Star Trek has hit that number. Maybe because you're right, because some of those are 24, 26 episode seasons. Right. And early Walking Dead was shorter. Right. So, yeah, 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 yeah. Maybe. I don't know. I don't know. It's it's one of my longest television relationships. So, Yeah. yeah, there is kind of like a desire to definitively say fuck you to this whole thing or be like, you know what? All in all, this was this was. I don't know. That's the other thing. It's like with the podcast and everything, it's going to hard be hard for me to get to the finish line and be like, you know, looking back, none of this was worth it. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. I mean, there's a huge body of work and I had a lot of fun doing it. So. Yeah, for sure. All right. Uh, M from Portland. All right. We're already halfway through. I'm sorry. M from Portland. Back to you. We got a side table here going. One thing that's bugged me about the later seasons of the show, particularly as compared to the comic, is the threat that relatively small number of walkers pose as survivors. We're a decade plus into the zombie apocalypse at this point. Those left know how to deal with the dead. And so it beggars belief that these small groups of walkers keep getting the drop on people. 
It's not just a stealth zombie of it all, but also that our survivors seem to be constantly terrified of small groups and often completely unable to handle them. Mm-hmm. The comic does a really good job of showing that after a few years in, the walkers have largely just become a problem to manage. One more thing to deal with in a hard scrabble post-apocalyptic life. Rick's group regularly tracks the herds and the massive groups away from their encampments and trade routes, and they have well-established protocols and formations to deal with walkers hand-to-hand. Individuals being significantly threatened by or killed by walkers becomes rare. While the show has occasionally gestured toward this at times, it's frustrating that our survivors mostly seem just as inept at dealing with the sh- dead now as they did six months in. Um, I'm annoyed by this, especially since I felt like most of season nine and ten had dealt with that. I hadn't, you know, like it had been a minute since I'd seen a stealth zombie until we got into the COVID episodes, you know, mm-hmm. um, they just did so much better. And like the walking out and, the, you know, just the walking through a random forest and getting ambushed by a just out of frame Walker was something that wasn't happening during the Kang era. So like, this is where I'm like, ah, they, they've, they've gotten better. And why did, was it just an accident? You know, maybe. Yeah. They just happened to not put them in those scenarios. Like, like this was Angela King's like three or four years of being frustrated and not listened to by Scott Gimple. And she had all like a bunch of ideas and then she pretty much used all of her powder and there's nothing left. So it's like, well, fuck back to stealth zombies. Cause that's a way you can always kill people. Yeah. And I, I don't know that problem of like, I think any human who's alive right now that hasn't been sheltered uh, like sh- shitty teen, he couldn't take out a single walker by himself probably because he's an idiot. But Daryl, Daryl could probably take out 15, 16 walkers coming at him three at a time. I like it, it should be like a Kung Fu movie where there's a circle of walkers around Daryl and he's just taking all comers. Right. Yeah. And that's the thing. It's like you can. Um, there's still ways you can put people in jeopardy. You can have people be overwhelmed yeah. because like it's a physical exhausting thing. Like imagine being in a 10 round boxing match, except for there's never uh, a round where you can take a breather. Like if the zombies are just and you're just killing and killing and killing and you just you're just overwhelmed. Or, like that daredevil scene right early on. Yeah. Or you can barely keep that shit is cool and exciting and yeah. I could use more of that. But. Yeah, like, and there's also you can you can tell a story about a person getting sloppy. You can tell a person a story about a person, you know, maybe um, uh, doing something destructive or dangerous, like getting high or drunk on their shift or something. You can definitely or someone, you know, having to be put in a bad position because they're saving a small child or an important resource or something like that. But all of those things require thinking and forethought. You can't just be like, fuck. Aaron and Daryl out here. Uh, we got to have some drama for the commercial break. What are we going to do? Um, and, and you can even do that, but think longer than the 15 minutes before the fucking lunch cart gets there, you know? Right. Like, uh, you know what? Uh, they're going to walk through this tall grass, but they're going to have to throw a time bomb in there and, and deal with the zon- boom. That that's cool. That's smart. That's neat. Um, just having them getting ambushed. It's just so fucking broke, man. Uh, let's see. M says relatedly and without any spoilers, I just want to say that after a major lull, I think the comics absolutely came back on top form and nailed their ending. I was extremely satisfied with many of the major character arcs and where Kirkman chose to leave the larger world. I would love it if you could, as part of your wrap up coverage at the end of the season, go back and read through the Whisperer arc to the end of the books and discuss the comic story in relation to the show. 
In any case, thanks for keeping me entertained throughout this rolling shit show. All the best. Um, I think I want to do that anyway. Like that was because I I was a fan of the comics and I only stopped reading at the whispers because I felt like my love of the comics was actively hurting my coverage of the show because I was forever saying, well, the show did it the same as the comics, but stupider or the show didn't do it anything like the comics and it's dumber or, Mm -hmm. you know, well, this was a kind of a cool story in this comics, but it lasted four issues. We've been on this thing for 12 episodes. Like, and that wasn't fair to the show if that's the thing that they're going to do. So, yeah, I, I would love to to see. Um, also, like, I don't know. Where do we ever... Do you remember when Kirkman used to say that, you know, oh, if you see the whole comic book series, that this was always Carl's story and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, when he got uh, to, I, I think, at the end of the, the Whisperer arc, he's like, oh, we're halfway done. And then I think the, the comic wound up, like, wrapping up in 40 issues from there. I would love to know the context of that. And was that just bullshit or pie in the sky? Did he get bored or did he like, you know what? I actually told that story. It just didn't take as long as I thought. There's a lot of questions I have about it. So I'm inclined to read it. Um, didn't get bored. He got rich. Yeah. And he started doing like other comic book series. I mean, he's been fairly prolific yeah. as a writer. Same, same thing with Martin. They didn't get bored. They got rich. Yeah. Writing's hard. <laughs> yeah. Why do I need to write if I'm rich? <laughs> Yeah, bringing home a 300 issue story that people have been invested in for 15 years is really hard. And jet skiing on a uh, a lake in Kentucky is really easy and fun. You oh, should yeah. try it sometime. <laughs> uh, I, I don't know. I Are you interested at all in reading the comics? Because it's funny because you got me into the comics and you stopped reading like at the governor arc. And yeah, I kept yeah. soldiering on. Are you interested? Because the thing is, they're they're a very quick read. They are. Um, I guess I'd have to figure out how to get a hold of them. Uh, some kind of compendium or something, but yeah, maybe I, I, I think like I'd get start. I see how many compendiums there are post issue 100 and then get all those um, and see where it takes us. But yeah, and the thing is, I don't know if it'll be like <laughs> I'm going to take the, the, the very next week that the walking dead's off the air and like read it all. Like maybe I can, but like maybe a week or two, three or four afterwards do a, like a wrap up, wrap up completely shooting the body shoot shooting the show in the head and burying the body for good come back and like talk about differences between comics and and the show and what did be- i think that'd be an interesting conversation even if it's like kind of one-sided yeah could be uh okay let's move on to eric it says hey guys one thing i'm surprised nobody's brought up is one theory as to why the stormtroopers kept pressing eugene after they seemingly accepted yumiko and everyone else the one thing they get pressing everyone on is the location of their community they answered questions left to right over what seemed like hours about anything and everything, but not from where they were from. I thought the reason for this would be obvious. Of the four of them, Eugene seemed the most nervous and the most likely to spill his guts, but never told them where the community was located. Not great for building trust, maybe, but knowing full well that there are bad groups of people out there, if I was a stormtrooper and seriously considered adding someone to my group, I'd only want to accept someone who I can trust to keep the group secrets, including their location. Mm, that's a mm. test. Hmm. There's always going to be those outwardly weak people who aren't good for much in terms of clearing herds of zombies or scavenging supplies. But if they're always behind community walls, I don't care if they can keep secrets because they'll probably never leave the walls. But scavengers need to be tough physically and mentally, so that process needs to be clear. Remember back to the couple we saw in episode one that was being sent back through re-education or whatever they called it. 
They look pretty weak, but they accepted Yumiko and the rest once they stood up for themselves and stood their ground. That's my two cents on the subject. Thanks. I think I, I'm uh, I think your two cents are undervalued and I'm going to buy high on that. I expect that stock to turn around from penny status to dollar by the end of this uh, eight episode run, because, uh, yeah, I'm bullish. I'm bullish on these two cents. What do you think, Jim? Yeah, I mean, I like the idea. I wonder if The Walking Dead is smart enough of a show to do something like that. I don't know. Maybe I'm not giving him enough credit, but yeah, it could be. I could. Yeah, it's like, uh, you know, because if you are you're on the other side of this table and you're just like, oh, you know what? We're from Alexandria and we got cold rolled steel and uh, shitty solar panels and, you know, shit, hot and cold running shit water. Uh, they're like, okay, well, you're not going to defend the Commonwealth. On the other hand, pretty light. I mean, it's it's pretty light for torture by Walking Dead standards. So, like, is the test like they have to at least hold up to asking pointedly the question? You know, there's no fingernails being pulled out. There's no waterboarding. There's no. Yeah, it's a pretty stress low bar. positions. Yeah, there's just uh. So, yeah, maybe, maybe. But on the other hand, like there's also unless the Commonwealth is just literally evil, there's got to be a line from testing people to actually real torture, you know? So, yeah, I do like this line of thinking, though, because we don't really we're not encouraged in these scenes to think about what the Commonwealth is trying to get out of this. Um, Yeah, we just we have a lot of assumptions, right, that they want. Uh The locations that they can come take the supplies or something or neutralize the threat, whatever. There could be other motives that we're not considering simply because we view them as the opponent, right? Right. And as far as the inane questions, as far as like the bowel movements and all that stuff, people speculated. Sometimes those things are just, um, it's been in vogue lately to, there's like this uh, channel on YouTube that goes over police interrogation videos and like, you know, where the police are doing this psychological tactic and whether the, you know, the, the object of it is resisting it well or not. Is and, it a lot of good cop, bad cop? Like well, here, it's, here's it's, an example of good cop, bad cop. <laughs> it seems like a lot of interrogation is just asking a bunch of inane questions that people are comfortable with to get them into a rhythm of talking naturally. And most people don't have people that's that interested in their lives and it's kind of disarming and you get them in a rhythm and then once you get them in that kind of like rhythm where they're answering questions naturally and freely then you bring out the big gun and you see the reaction to it like you know do they start freaking the fuck so like asking them like yeah you know uh how you been eating how you been shitting when's the last time you used toilet paper is the getting set up for you know how many people are in your group uh and you know what's its composition how many guns and bullets you got like it's so it could some of these could just be filler questions that are that are designed to get people asking questions used to like you know i like there's all kinds of psychology and interrogation and 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 people so uh but i like i like eric's theory we're gonna have to see we're gonna have to see if it bears fruit all right seawells native dc and uh, writes in with some more this, this commentary about the, the geography of the show. Uh, I'm emailing now because I thought about how ridiculous the first episode's plan is. Like I said, they nailed the view and the layout of our metro station here in the district. Uh, there's a station called Shady Grove, which is on the outskirts of D.C., and you're correct, it's near the University of Maryland. The problem with this is they've made it very clear that that settlement is in Alexandria, which is in Virginia. 
Now, it's possible with car transportation to get from Virginia to Maryland quickly, given our unique beltway that's constantly packed with traffic. But on foot, call them bullshit. I can't tell you how easy this was to fix it. I provided you a map of the metro station and the yellow line is the area for which the train heads into Virginia. Anything south of La Font Plaza is northern Virginia. And what I would assume, given that we could see the monument on the top half of season six, uh, what you can't see the monument from anywhere else in Virginia is the general direction of the Alexandria settlement. If you notice anything strange, it could be the fact that all of those Virginia yellow stops are closer to the eastern market in D.C. where they got off. How hard is it to say that you just got off at McPherson Square? <laughs> this is really inside D.C. ball, man. Um, I do not follow, but OK. So uh, goes uh I want to add another. St- he says, "I want to add to another stupid show scene. How about when the saviors led to a siege on the hilltop, and that night the gang had a sleepover at the mansion, and the zombies were all SEAL Team Six, quiet, ripping throats out. Mm-hmm. No one ever woke up while they're falling downstairs. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they 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 do that a lot. Um. Anyway, I so said thanks for the podcast, boys. I found you in the pandemic, and uh, it's been my favorite listening channel since. Not to mention, I look forward to Sci Fi Sunday. Now you two are both welcoming." And the same goes for the Bald Move community. Well, thank you. Well, thank you. I loved how surprisingly good Kang Resurrection this franchise has been, and I'm glad we can all find, finish this bullshit labyrinth called The Walking Dead as a family. Uh, the fucked up hills have eyes kind of family, but, but still. Uh, <laughs> no, I appreciate all that. I was like, that's the thing. It's like, I, yeah, like, uh, apparently there's uh, some impossible geography, like The Shining going on here with the, vi- and I don't, know quite why that is because is it just like they're not willing to spend money shooting in Atlanta and doing some like trying to get things right or because you're right you'd get the idea that our nation's capital is a rural ghost town Mm -hmm. just by watching The Walking Dead yeah I don't know I'm not sure we're going to get another big like city scene like in the early seasons with the Commonwealth, though, I feel like there's that's got to be it's pro- that's probably going to be like a couple shipping containers pressed together. That's man. <laughs> I mean, they're using train cars as jail cells. They don't have a ton of resources there. Yeah, I just feel like the any type of large project involves density of people, you know, like uh, the reason we start building cities in the first place is because of fucking agriculture and trade. And so mm-hmm. if you're reestablishing all that, eventually you're going to start. You know, the prime real estate is where it's safe behind walls. It's expensive to increase the real estate. It's cheap to build up it. You'd probably take I'd rather uh, take over a couple blocks of a city than like 17 residential suburban neighborhoods. Well, then you got way, you got to transport food. You got to there's a lot of logistics problems with not living in the country, though. Right. How so? If you take over a skyscraper, where are you going to grow your food? Oh, I guess that's true. Like, but isn't there enough green space in the cities that, like, if you just reclaimed it, you know, like uh, New York City, take over I, everything around Central Park, turn Central Park into your farm? Yeah, you know, then, but then you've you got, got also, like, what, seven million zombies in the area? I mean, that's <laughs> a problem, late? too. Well, but that's the thing is you're living in the greater D.C. area. Like, you got, yeah. you got all the problems. It's just now you're spread out trying to protect it. I don't know. Maybe... Maybe I'm trying to, you know, apply too much 21st century urban development to the the world of the dead. I just don't think we have the population left in this scenario to warrant mm. some some dense housing. I think you you sh- you're better off being close to where you can grow your food, but 
Well, what do I know? That's not as easily defendable, I suppose. It's true. Uh, let's take a quick break, and then we'll get back to the last few emails. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, we're back with Josh from Pennsylvania. Uh, people were taken with their idea that uh, Casey Casey Jones is an ex-Reaper. So prior to listening okay. to your podcast, I never thought of the possibility that Elijah, who we've been calling Casey Jones, and probably will continue to do so until oh, he yes. gets a line or two, uh, could be an ex-Reaper. When you had mentioned this, I got to thinking, it makes a lot of sense. Not only does he wear a mask and has similar fighting skills as the Reapers, but it also makes sense that he was the burned body that was found by Negan and Maggie. Judas in the Bible was a disciple and one of Jesus' 12 apostles. Judas, of course, betrayed Jesus, which led to Jesus' execution. Translations do suggest that Judas asked Judas, wait, Jesus asked Judas to betray him so Jesus could fulfill his destiny. However, that last part wouldn't make sense in a Walking Dead story. Putting that last part aside, knowing what I do about the Reapers after seeing episode four, I can see why would they label him as a Judas? I think Aaron is in for some interesting religious cult takes. Uh, good, good. I, I fucking live for that shit. It's my mother's milk. Um, it's true. I do think that the I, I mean, I've, I've heard that there are some apocryphal readings or some kind of like uh, alternative readings that do show that like Jesus recognized the necessity of someone betraying him and, you know, fulfilling the Bible prophecy and doing all that. So like Judas had to take one for the team and maybe did it willingly, but a plain reading is that it was just inevitable that with this much heat on Jesus uh, and uh, the kind of lifestyle that he, you know, led, which is very aesthetic, very not, you know, you know, very, a very hard life to be frank, that somebody would, would bucket for profit, you know? Um, Either way, the other thing interesting about Elijah is that's, you know, not for nothing, another biblical name. So it seems like there's a lot of religious imagery around these Reapers in this last episode. So that's another thing now that I'm thinking of it, that kind of ties it in. Yeah, I'm waiting for the the movie that explores the time paradox uh, and time and free will paradox that is Jesus and Judas's relationship. Because like if you're the son of God and you have all this foreknowledge and then you go and tell Judas you're going to betray me, uh, you know, give him the kiss and all that. Are, are you creating the future by doing that? What if you had never done that? Would you just still betray you? I'm, I'm waiting for that movie. Yeah. Yeah. Dan yeah. Brown is going to world renowned author Dan Brown. You've, you've gotten your next assignment, right? Uh <laughs> Uh, and then, of course, you know, the last descendants of this, the count of the Society of Judas or the what did they, they call it? The the Judas Club. 
It's a Judas uh, Club, they, they, yeah. They, it's like the Babysitter's Club, just a lot more betrayal. <laughs> they protect the secret of the last scion of Judas and 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 hold the holy the se- the 30 pieces of silver. Uh, let's see, James. So when I was watching episode three, I realized those weapons the Reapers have are super similar to Elijah's sky type things. He seems as capable as a fighter as a Reapers and has a mask. Is he a Reaper? I mean, that's our theory. That's our theory. And that's their whole the whole reason we, we, we came up with it. Is that how Maggie got into this beef, taking one of them in? That also gives uh, me some worries that this whole Judas Walker thing on a cross could be her pal a lot. James, did did you make it to the end of the podcast before you sent this email? I'm sorry. Maybe maybe I should have made it through the end of the email before I included it in my notes. But uh, <laughs> yeah, no, you're you're picking up what we're laying down for sure. Or maybe they're just showcasing some of the awesome Walker effects they've got with the Judas Walker. Maybe mask and size are in fashion now. We should see what your thoughts are for the rest of the show up to the end. Well, thank you, James. Um, yeah, got- I don't. Why the thing is, the, here's the thing. The biggest problem, and unfortunately it's not a fatal one because it's The Walking Dead, is why the fuck in all the exposition we've got about Reapers mm-hmm. has Maggie not said, and oh, by the way, this guy's an ex-Reaper, and they really got a boner for killing the traitors to their cause. Yeah. And also, here's why he uses a mask and a sigh, and he's kind of fu- like, why wouldn't you say that? That would be... But on the other hand, apparently most of Maggie's crew was not briefed on Negan when they got to like, maybe they just don't tell each other these things. But it seems relevant when you're talking about like if the saviors are an ongoing concern, you know, if they showed up and they're like, oh, here's this Negan guy. It would be kind of malpractice from a societal and a friendship standpoint not to be like, and oh, by the way, this is their former leader and they're crazy to get him back. You know, it's like they fucking live to like get this Negan guy back because it's a whole fucking cult of personality built around them. Right. Yeah, I think you're right. Um, It's it's a mistake and one that they can't really fix at this point. There's another one that's going to be hard to fix. They've already if, you know, my theory is correct and this burned up body is, in fact, you know, this Judas body is, in fact, uh, Case Jones. We've already missed our chance for Maggie to recognize that and to say to confirm that essentially. So now yeah. the only way to confirm that is for the Reapers themselves to tell Maggie what happened. And I just don't I, I don't mm. see a show like The Walking Dead being skillful enough to pull that off in a way that doesn't just come across as ridiculous. Like what I mean, maybe Maggie could torture the information out of one of them and she's looking for Casey Jones. She's like, tell me where Casey Jones is. And then the Reaper's like, Hey, we burned him. We burned him up. That Judas body you saw back in two, back two episodes ago. That yeah. was him. Well, I, I, maybe, I can see where you it can do tough. it like in a cool way. Like if they're trying to provoke Maggie, you know, like into showing herself and they're taunting her kind of like uh, Darth Vader. In Return of the Jedi, it's like, you know, he's trying to get Luke to show himself and he finally lands on his hot button, his sister. Oh, so if you don't fucking turn, then we'll just corrupt your sister. And then Luke goes fucking berserk. These guys are like stalking Maggie and she's, you know, and then they drop the leg. And that that uh, kid you saved, uh, did you see see his beef jerky barbecue corpse that had the Judas? Ah, we know what to do with Judas's run. And then she goes fucking berserk. I could see something like that being cool. Because you're right, but but how how would Maggie identify that corpse? Like it would have to have like exactly. dog tags or something yeah, that yeah. she'd be like, 
you know, or like a, a, they'd have to establish this guy had some funny dental work or something for it to work. Mm-hmm. But he um, actually had no eyes. Those were fake eyes. So it's just wild for someone to burst onto the scene this crazily dressed and no one to acknowledge it. Like, imagine if Lydia was still walking around in zombie skin and everybody's like, hey, this yeah. is Lydia. We took her in a while back. <laughs> oh, OK, cool. How's it going, Lydia? Yeah, yeah. No, one would be like, what the fuck is up with this shit? This guy comes yeah. in looking like, you know, he's 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 moonlighting as a gold tending crop gatherer, you know, like what? There's no like, new normal the, in the zombie apocalypse, man. Yeah. Doesn't talk, just wears a mask. You, you, you know, uh, again, especially since Maggie's done not a small amount of exposition about these Reaper guys. I feel like it's all. Yeah. But that's the problem. And why I said it's not a fatal flaw to the theory is because Walking Dead is is capable of just doing that. Yeah. Just having this ridiculous character that no one, you know, wants to talk about how ridiculous they are. It's it's uh it's weird. It's weird. Uh anyway, that is going to do it for our feedback show. We'll see if episode 4 continues uh the the steady uphill climb uh from the muddy ditch that the first couple episodes and the panty episodes have gotten us into. Uh, so, I don't know. Signs, signs are looking good. I'm really looking forward to getting more into the uh, the Commonwealth. Uh, if you'd like to send some feedback on this episode, which again, our uh, podcast coverage will drop this Sunday night, right at the same time Walking Dead does. We got a, a, apologies. We did screw that up last week uh, with the Memorial Day weekend and us doing Sci-Fi Sunday and all that. We just got we we got all distracted and, and got it all screwed <laughs> up. Moving mostly, I spent and, the whole and also moving. Jim moving. He's been kind of dis- d- distracted, uh, yeah. but we'll be back. We'll we'll get it. We'll get it right this next week, um, and then you've got until Wednesday at one p.m. to get your feedback into Watching Dead at BaldMove.com if you want to talk about it. By the way, every Wednesday at one p.m. Eastern, got nothing else to do. Stop by Twitch.tv/BaldMove. We we'll record this episode live and usually do another um, movie podcast afterwards. It's a good time. Uh, come and hang out with us on, on your lunch break or your uh, mid-afternoon slog. Uh, we'll see you on Sunday night for the next episode and next Wednesday for the feedback episode. Again, watching dead at baldmove.com is how you get these takes in. Until next time, I'm Aaron. And I'm Jim. See ya. See ya.